Look at the adjective. Play. Now is the franchise going to take the Viagra? Oh, going to put the butts in the seat. Hello there, wrestling fans, and welcome to episode 108 of Because WCW, the podcast where the big boys play. My name is the Twisted Genius DNS, and I am joined as ever by the Zone Zone, Liam Happ. Good evening, Liam. It's been a long time. Welcome back on the podcast horse. Yeah, it must have been a long time because that was a very nice cordial introduction. Thank you, Dave. Oh, what are I you know. up to? Well, what am I up to? What's I'm, your I'm game, up, pal? I'm up to not having fucking COVID again, which is which is always a relief. Which is a um, bit of a shenanigan these days because it seems to be rarer than the times you do have COVID. <laughs> Well, it, it's uh, I got it at the very uh, the very tail end of January, so I'm I'm I've now I've now spent the last two Januarys in in COVID prison. Um, so I'm I'm not looking forward to January 23, I have to say, but um, but this time around it wasn't as bad. Um, whether that be the the variant or or the jabs or whatever, but like when I had it, uh, when I had it first time around pre jabs, I was off work and I was ill for about a month. And this time I was off work and ill for a week. So, uh, draw your own conclusions. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, uh, go, go down any, uh, Joe Rogan podcast routes, but I'm fully jabbed up and it seems to have made a difference, but there you go. Yeah. But um, all, all I want to ask is, is that really your opinion or is that what Bill Gates wants you to say? It's um, it's part of the mind control from the jabs, Liam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I would never, I would never fall for that. And for one, I, I'm getting sick of Bill Gates' name getting dragged into it. You know, he's a really good guy, and not to mention handsome, and he's hung like a. Oh, stop it, Bill! Stop it! I know what you're up to. Stop it, Bill! All right, I've, I've got it under control. Sorry about that. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So, so basically, I've I've been out of commission with with COVID for uh, for a bit, and um, and and you're basically having your house virtually knocked down and rebuilt, I believe. Massive renovation of the entire ground floor. I'm sat in it right now because why not? Um, yeah, uh, we've got the kitchen units are up, got the base going. Kitchen's going to be all set up end of play Friday, apparently. And Ooh. there's a few more bits to do, but we should be, you know, we're, we're in the middle of week six of this and we, we knew it was a six to eight week job, but we are, yeah. we, we are very nearly done with this. So apologies, guys, for the uh, the radio science. I, I know things were getting a little bit infrequent at the end of last year anyway, but we figured, you know what, with things getting chaotic, it's best to just call it a hibernation. We've had it before when we've had uh, laptop shenanigans. <laughs> call it a yeah. hibernation, come back for a brand new season of debauchery and American males. American males, American males, American males, and so on. Yeah. Oh man. But um, you, you've uh, you you've avoided the uh, the dreaded COVID. You've been all good and healthy. I have only really had one situation where I've probably had it, and that was very early on, March 2020, when my wife was banged to rights 
positive with it. She had the you know the loss of taste and all that. Yeah. She isolated. We had to isolate. Uh, my daughter and I had zero symptoms. Zero. I mean, we were both really unwell with a with a cold about a month earlier that was that was throat based. It was really really bad on the throat because obviously all these different types of colds and and this one's like a over the last couple of years has been a relatively new threat that's caught everyone off guard. But all of these sort of similar flus and colds have different, whether it's they get you in a sinus or a chesty cough or all the different types. Uh, and we do wonder, like, did having like a really bad cold not long before someone in our household caught proper COVID, did that actually lead to us being asymptomatic or did it lead to us just being temporary immune to who knows but wherever I know I've never suffered those classic symptoms and now I'm triple jabbed there you go nice so um we uh, we are returning to the uh to the scene we're getting back on that podcast horse with uh with a nitro watch along if you, you do why are you insistent on talking about all of these podcast whores and what what is a podcast whore no 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 horse Oh, 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 you know, uh, yeah. you know, clip, clop, clip, clop. Yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry. Carry on. Yeah. Uh, and uh, if you are, if you are going to be watching along with us, then um, we are looking at, it's, it's number, it's number 49, Nitro number 49, which is from August the 19th, 1996. That is the uh, original broadcast date. If you want to find that on the WWE network, or if you want to, pirate it from some other website i don't care um you just well this podcast is free you can't you literally genuinely you cannot pirate us we're free does that mean Um, does that mean that we are actually the podcast whores was it us all along (laughs) driving the hammer quite possibly yeah moving the briefcase above steve austin's head (laughs) i know that's not those though i couldn't think of any other shit mystery but um yeah that'll be us but um yeah and we are obviously available wherever you know you're wherever you get your podcast from you're listening to this we have got 106 previous episodes uh that you could listen back on if you haven't already um and you can follow us on twitter at because wcw or on facebook.com forward slash because wcw always like to hear from people we're lonely Um, please do yeah, please talk to us. Um, just before we get on to this watch long, <clears throat> a couple of things just want to uh, plug to you, just make mention. Um, our good mate and and former guest on the show, Doug Williams, um, he is going to be uh, featuring in the fifth annual Jim Crockett Senior Memorial Cup Tag Team Tournament, or the Crockett Cup as it's known. Uh, the NWA uh, uh, holding that on March the 19th and March 20th. I believe it's on um, Fight TV. Um, Doug and his old mate Nick Aldis are reviving the British Invasion tag team, so they are they are in that tournament. Um, and also our mates at Hooked on Wrestling are uh, holding a few AEW Revolution watch parties. They are the only ones that ha- have got the permission and blessing of AEW, by the way. So if you see any other AEW parties, they are illegal. Um, and they are holding them on, on Sunday, March the 6th at... Birmingham, Cardiff, Leeds, London, and Manchester. 
So um, if you're interested in looking over them, because let's face it, AEW is the closest thing we've got to WCW these days. Just go to hookedontickets.co.uk for any of our listeners in the UK. Um, apologies if you're listening in parts unknown. We're not holding any parties there. Speak to your mayor. Speak to the mayor of parts unknown. And, yeah. And, and force change. It's the only way it can happen. Petition. Is it still Ultramantis Black? the mayor i believe so i think he won another election yeah. yeah he keeps winning these elections even though no one ever sees the ballots Look, i think i'm it's... not trying to i'm not trying to insinuate it's nefarious means by no. chance but well, we... no, i think nefarious. Um, yeah i think he was up against the cat in this last election which cat the one from red dwarf no um Charlie, the safety cat from the 1980s safety adverts. Fair. Yeah, I, yeah. C- I can see why he won. Yeah. Because Charlie's a bad end. just tells you what you can and can't he's, do. He's, and... he's unelectable. He's, he's the Jeremy Corbyn of cats. <laughs> oh, I won't man. get more political doing that, don't worry. I, I, I think it's time to move on to the, um, <laughs> to, to the, to the, the episode of Nitro. Listen up, slap nuts. That's right. This is Jeff Jarrett. The chosen one, and you're listening to because WCW. Now choke on that. So we are on the zero 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 zero. This is August the nineteenth, nineteen ninety six. We have left Disney. We are back on the road. Um, and well, according to the synopsis uh, you said on um, on on the network here, we are we are heading into War Games. Yeah, and I want to say this is around the same time frame that um, David Beckham scored that amazing goal against Wimbledon. Quite possibly. Who knows? Possibly. Anyway, are you ready? Well, with references like that, I must be. (laughs) Right, well, we will press play in three, two, one. Cue burning buildings. Do you have burning buildings? We have burning buildings and we have the still babyface Hogan. Yeah, that's a bit awkward because I know it's been a while since we've done one here, so we might as well catch up anyone who's just stumbled upon us because we've lost our pre-existing customers. But yeah, Hulk Hogan is heel now. For like over a month now. And it was, I've got to say, well, last time we did one of these, we were commenting about how the, uh, the NWO's segments on the show were actually quite refreshing. Is that yeah. where we were? Yeah, because it was like just talking to each other normally, weren't they? Rather than doing promo voices. So here we go. Hour number one with Shivani and Larry Zbysko down at ringside. The living legend, Larry Zbysko. And... Oh, yes, we had a clash of the champions in between these two nitros. So we've now got a rematch from the clash of uh, VK Wall Street and Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Oh, we're getting a we're getting a recap now. Oh, that's night. what we need: more Wall Street versus Duggan. We're already having to put up with a match between the two live on Nitro. Please show us highlights of another instalment of their feud. So basically. Uh. Hacksaw Jim Duggan reached into his trunks to try and tape his fist up right in front of the ref, which, as we've established, is illegal. So the ref stopped him from doing it, and Duggan got rolled up. 
and Duggan's the wronged party. Apparently. Yeah, the commentary portrays daylight robbery. Oh, yeah. by the way, then, you'll be pleased to know that on this being Monday, August 19th, 1996, just two days before this, Saturday, August 17th, 1996, David Beckham scored that goal against Wimbledon. <laughs> so this is the first Monday Nitro of the David Beckham does amazing things era. This is why you are a sports journalist by trade, Lee. Well, I googled it, but thanks. Yeah, but your your instincts was right, didn't it? Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I suppose I score half a point. Yeah. So um, it's also worth noting that that Wall Street has slightly different gear now. Rather than having a black syndicate with one big gold dollar symbol on the on the back, he's now got lots of smaller dollar symbols all over his his entire costume and somehow it's made it look even worse than what he had before where was he was looking say, like a, a million dollar man ripoff it, it looks like it came from the same pound shop just a different aisle yeah it's not great is it i mean i i know especially as a singles mike rotunda is just not the most entertaining wrestler in the world, but there has to be a better use for him than this. The t- the taxman stick at least covered up for five years of abdominal stretches. Yeah. Well, his greatest success was always in tag teams, and there's a reason for that. Ah, so interestingly, they've they've pulled attention to the fact that one Nick Patrick is the referee. If I remember correctly, on the last Nitro, there was a pretty clear instance of him being very shady yes, now, Larry Zabisco who is a heel commentator but very anti-NWO since Scott Hall showed up nonetheless for the time being is giving him the benefit of the doubt well that's that's fair enough surely now as, as much as I dread these sort of pairings between two guys like this one thing I like watching in any Jim Duggan match is I don't think he moves half an inch without interacting with the fans. <laughs> Everything he does, he's involved in. And that's a good thing, by the way. It might not sound it, but that is, is, I love seeing it. It's the best mm. thing he does. Best thing about his work, by far. Yeah. But the other the thing to bear in mind with this as well is that you've got two ex-WWF wrestlers who, and this match so far is very much, in that what I would call WWF style, you know, WCW, and and the you know now and as we talk about AEW, AEW in the modern day does the same. WCW, generally speaking, had a different style of in-ring work to WWF, which I always found more appealing. Which is why I, you know, I guess why when we say why we love WCW, that was one of the many reasons. Now, that's true, but what I also find interesting is th- this isn't just two WWE cast-offs. This is two wrestlers who got plenty of varied experience under their belt from the pre-WWE monopoly. Yeah. You know, you, we're talking the Mid-Souths, the NWAs, things like that. They they, they got to taste a, a, a nice uh, smorgasbord of, of different places to work and different styles to do. And yet, yeah, you're right. After working WWE and obviously making WWE money, they find themselves to have settled into a very WWE style. 
Yeah. They have elected to put that at the forefront of what they do. Maybe because the WCW producers are, are, are want them to do that. Maybe because they, in their heads, I suppose, because their time in WWE was so well-paid so successful, that's what they uh, envision as the proper way to work. Mm. And, and also, you know, you, what you just said then triggered a thought in my mind that, and we've said this before about guys like Haku and the Barbarian, that they're 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 never the, the guys at the top of the card. They're you know they're never the ones that are doing the the five star classics and all that. But they are never out of work. Or you know obviously they're retired now. But you know at the time that they're active, they were never unemployed for for a particularly long period of time. If they weren't in WCW, they were in the WWF. Tellingly though, we often praise guys like that a lot more when we find them in like tag team matches or where they're as a phrase we use where they're the mortar to the bricks of yeah of of bigger name stars or greener more exciting wrestlers and they're holding things together like a linchpin but when they're in single you remember some of the lex luca versus ming matches we've seen on here and they really stay there welcome and while so far what we're watching right now, Dean, I've got to say they're keeping to the basics. There's nothing offensive about it. Uh, unless they hit the home stretch soon, it's going to outstay its welcome because there's not much else they have to offer outside of what we're seeing here. Yeah, and as we saw at the Disney tapings, Duggan's a great guy to have as your opening TV match oh, because he'll get the crowd going. As you said, you know, he, he interacts with the crowd throughout the match. Yeah, you you wouldn't begrudge him putting over up and coming bad guys uh, for for a very very long time. He can he can he... really hold things together like that. And we've you know it's like obviously we we've had some some great names in professional wrestling. We've had the honour of having those guys guests on our podcast, but the majority of the professional wrestling experience the actual wrestler guests we've had on here are very much guys who are hired to to be that linchpin that holding hands so they know that very well oh Duggan is now reaching into his trunks and getting that tape out to cheers and Nick Patrick has taken it away and Nick Patrick is now getting booed out the building and now oh now Wall Street's taken the tape And Nick's trying to get, but he's doing a much lamer job. But Duggan's got another one. And Nick, Nick Patrick's just that, like, I give up. Yeah, Nick Patrick's like, <laughs> oh, fuck it. Tape for everyone. This they're, is tape party. Yeah, That's like when the mask gets his mask taken off and he's got another mask underneath, isn't it? Yeah, they've both somehow managed to tape their wrists. I've tried, I've failed. I don't get paid enough for this shit. Just do, <laughs> just do what you want, guys. I'll count a three. Yeah. Actually, that make, that makes Nick Patrick likable, in my opinion. <laughs> Nick Patrick can't be asked to write all the paperwork for this shit. He's just going to let it fly. Has, has any company done this angle? Because they really should. We should have like a, 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 a lazy or may, yes. maybe not la- but <laughs> lazy, but maybe work shy to better <laughs> referee who, you know, clearly... Clearly, he's like the guy in the co-op who doesn't want to be there but needs the money. And when <laughs> things get really hairy, instead of having to conveniently turn their back or pretend they didn't see something, which really takes you out of it, they can just be like, you know what? Fuck this. Do what you want. 
And it make it easier for a producer to produce it, surely. Oh, we've got a we got a mate. We got a promo with Hacksaw Jim Duggan, and he's talking about Hulk Hogan again. Yeah, this is the second one now, isn't it? Oh, he's referred to him as Terry. Is this going to be the you smoke to my children? Maybe. Let's see. We're we're listening for it. Turned your back on everything that you believed in. Oh, the crowd's reacting. Someone's coming out. Oh, it's so Savage. I was going to say, that's why they're repeating this, because now we're going to have... And Savage is wearing the infamous, the infamous carbuncles. <laughs> We've talked about they, it before. He looks like he's yeah. broken out in blisters. Are they like lipstick kisses or something? Yeah, if they're done by a petrodactyl. I am got a problem with Hulk Hogan. I don't know. Oh, I forgot. Randy Savage is out of control, though, isn't he? So they're, they're, they're starting up like a, a support group here, a anti-Hogan society, which is basically what you see on every show over the last 15 years, only it's usually the hills conspiring yeah. to destroy Hulkamania. Basically, even if he's not in the room, you must always be asking, where's Poochie? Where's Poochie, yeah. Oh, we've got a recap of Nitro last week where Savage pulled the uh, protective blue mats and then Hogan comes out and smacks Savage in the back while he's trying to he's trying to uh, pile drive Ric Flair on bare concrete because he's yeah. the babyface, of course. And I've got, I got to say, I mean, in Savage's defence, you know, Savage versus Flair, that rivalry, of course he wants to try and kill him. But... Um, the I'm glad Hollywood Hogan did that chair shot because otherwise I'd have had no idea which Savage versus Flair Nitro match they were showing. <laughs> so the Giants come up now. The WC World Championship belt. Apparently we wrestle in the toilet now. Well, you know, I reckon I'd be a good shot for a run of that title. He's got a problem with a giant because the giant wanted him to step aside. So maybe this is the rust, Dean. Maybe this is the rust, but yeah, I'm struggling a little bit with that segment. Yeah. Needs a little more focus, this storyline. But again, because it's been a little while, I, 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 unless it gets worse from here, I'm willing to say that's on me. Yeah. And I've just noticed that Larry Zabisco's shirt underneath his jacket has, I don't know what denomination, but has lots of dollar bills all over it. Or that's... American currency. They might not be one dollar bills. They, I don't know what, what amount they're for. You're going to try and purchase that shirt to wear on commentary one day, aren't you? <laughs> You've been known to wear a gaudy shirt in your time. Oh, I'm no stranger to a gaudy shirt, but I think I'd want £50 notes. Keep it British. 20 pence, and that's my final offer. (laughs) Here we go. Clash of the Champions. Benoit and the Giant, and the Giant's just drop-kicked Benoit. It looks like Benoit got distracted. Holy shit, he's up on that eight feet high in the air, about to be choke-slammed. 
It's a great choke slam, yeah. But yeah, it looked like he was struggling to get his arms out of his ring jacket, which for the record is still on while he eats a choke slam. Yeah. That was very impressive. Yeah, very very strange decision to run that. But um problems with woman. Okay. Uh I do feel so out of the loop. And it's fair to say we are very much now at a point where Nitro is the main show. But obviously is, we've had a clash yes. of the champions as well. So that muddies the waters a little bit. Yeah, I think it looks like things have happened in this clash of the champions in between or you know, after the Nitro that we saw. So we're a little bit out of the loop, as you say. Oh, here's here's the uh, William Regal music, or Steve, Lord Stephen Regal. Is it him, or is it one of the others? Could be one of the cronies. So, oh, it's Earl Robert Eaton. I was going to say, because this is actually the first watch-along we have done since William Regal was actually let go, I think. Yeah, you're right. Because it has been that long, to be fair. Yeah. But there's no Regal in sight, just Eaton. Oh, because there's problems with them, apparently. Apparently, there's problems with everyone at the minute. Liam, what's the deal with the Blue Bloods? Well, here's the thing. Every every team is struggling to get on with each other. Um, Hacksaw Jim Duggan called Hulk Hogan Terry. Are we sure Vince Russo isn't moonlighting? <laughs> well, here comes Chris Benoit with Woman and Miss Elizabeth. Look, listen, right? They came out to a huge pop. I'm telling you, they weren't popping for Chris. Well, woman looks like she's dressed up like a circus ringmaster and Liz is wearing a bin bag. (laughs) But they are nonetheless the sort of outfits that pop a live crowd. Because of of the location at which they are cut, etc, etc. But yeah, you're right. I can't unsee the bin bag thing there. Yeah. You, you know something though, like if if this assuming this isn't a match that is driven by whatever storyline we're going through with Benoit and, and woman and here, which is with the benefit of hindsight it is a very uncomfortable thing to be watching, but that's what we've got in front of us here. We have got Bobby Eaton against Chris Benoit, which is basically gonna be a tremendous match. Yeah, kinda of gotta hope they get like at least eight minutes. Not expecting them to go Broadway here. I like a good TV match. You, you give me, you give me two good wrestlers for ten minutes. Do you really need much more? Yeah, you know, yeah. There's a time and a place for a big epic contest, especially if you build to it in a feud. But you know, TV shows have storyline developments, have interviews, have promos, have angles, and have a few just good matches that you aren't really going to market on a bigger platform. Mm. Why not give them ten minutes? Well, we've spilled to the outside already. Benoit is wrestling like someone who's not in a good mood, given what we've seen in the highlight packages. <laughs> yeah. Eaton's kind of just there, there to sell. I mean, that, that choke slam they showed was pretty much the greatest choke slam I've ever seen in my life. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That was, a, that was a great, great choke slam. He was literally about eight feet up in the air. It's it's not just the way he held him up perfectly. He walked around with him. Look of fear on Benoit's face. It was 
exactly how you envision that that's what wrestlers envision when they plan a spot isn't it that's how they want it to go and it doesn't always come off that way but they're like if we make it look like this that's mm. gonna really sit with the crowd oh and here's woman cheating she's got the itch yeah and uh bobby eaton was uh was on in, on all fours on the floor and woman just ran up and punted him in the ribs because she could. Listen, withdrawal symptoms from cheating in wrestling matches are no joke, all right? It can lead to nausea, uh, cold flushes, hot flushes. It's, it's, it's just not a happy place to be. I'm so glad she could get a fix. Yeah. Headaches, fatigue, all, all manner. But, you know, if she, uh, if she was going to be sick, then at least uh, there's a bin bag that Liz has got on that they could use to help clear up. Exactly. And let's face it, Elizabeth wouldn't get angry about them using her dress because that would involve ex- expressing an emotion. Yeah. So win-win. Yeah. She'd just stand there applauding. I'm sure I've, I'm sure I've mentioned this before, but in the... In the great old video game of uh, WWNWO Revenge on the N64, um, you could um, you could get the wrestler to attack the manager, um, and you could also they they would have both the wrestlers and the managers could bleed. And I do remember having a match where um, I I was controlling Mr. Perfect or Kurt Henning, I should say, um, and he attacked Miss Elizabeth at ringside um, who then proceeded to bleed from the forehead uh, and she just carried on standing there applauding whilst pouring blood from the forehead not selling the attack and that will always stick in my head as you do as you do uh, here comes oh, an Alabama jam no Eaton missed I think I'm a second or two ahead of you Eaton missed a very clumsy looking um yeah, I was going I to say, he, he's known for much, much more uh, style than that. That wasn't his yeah. best. And Benoit with the di- a massive diving headbutt and gets the pinfall. Yeah, th- that, that's the first thing I'd say about that match. Obviously, he he, he was out there to with, with a mission in mind, a, a job, nudge, nudge, if you will. But um, that, that wasn't the sort of eating match we're, we're accustomed to seeing. No. He was no. spending 75% of it selling, but he just wasn't at the races. I guess everyone has an off day. But I think, you know, he um he, he never quite fitted in this Blue Bloods gimmick. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's still Bobby Eaton wrestling. But, yeah. It's a strange one. But, yeah, that's a rehab for Benoit. After being like jobbed out in five seconds, yeah. Uh, we've uh, Shivani's just said that, that Regal is wrestling. Oh, that's made you happy, isn't it? Yes, and here comes a Glacier promo, but it's, but it's not going to be him and Finley beating the ever loving piss out of each other because I feel like we've already gone past that phase, unfortunately, which is a shame. Mm. <laughs> just watching this promo and uh is it is it just me or is it genius the way they they add a slightly they they had like one extra layer of b-roll to the package every time (laughs) yeah this time you're getting a glimpse of of one of his eyes and you know a few weeks ago they added the first few bits of him doing like fake martial arts and 
because I, I understand that, that like some of these guys did have some legit skills, but whenever a wrestler does that sort of martial arts pose, it's always like just like isn't it? Yeah. And yeah, Ray Ray Lloyd, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah, he was a legit martial artist, a karate, I think. But um, I mean, I think those promos for Glacier is coming soon. Must have been going on for about two months now. Yeah, it's like it's like watching Veer, isn't it? I've gone topical on you. So we're just seeing more footage of the um, more footage of the Clash of the Champions, and basically the Steiners and it was the Steiners, Luger and Sting, and Harlem Heat in a three-way or triangle match, and Scott Steiner was about to pin, um, I think it was Booker T. And the outsiders come down the aisle, don't get involved in the match, just walk down the aisle. And lo and behold, it's referee Nick Patrick who called for the, the match to be thrown out, even though the outsiders hadn't done anything. This is easy because they're showing Flair Hogan now, and you've got F- Flair and woman cheating, getting that fix, of course, against yeah. Hogan. So we're we're in a very weird space at the moment. Well, Hogan is the dirtiest player in the game, and oh, the referee's been the referee's had a, a spill. Randy Anderson, and he's been knocked out by a, a throw to the floor, basically. Um, it's it's obviously it's very difficult to introduce a third element. Like if you've got the good guys and the bad guys, you see this in wrestling, you see it on TV everywhere if you're going to introduce the third element it's it's very difficult to, to balance them in uh and that just didn't come across as very good but obviously we, we know this angle gets good over time but uh yeah it, it's not easy and it wasn't smooth sailing was it early on no no it's yeah you think you think about that that episode of nitro disney where oh uh, yeah the lawn dart with Rey Mysterio, and they basically sabotaged their own show. Short term, it was bizarre, and it made for a terrible TV show. But long term, it really made a difference. Yeah, I think that the point where it really started to kick in is we're, we're looking at Sting on the on the camera right now as he does a promo with Luger. Um, and obviously, the, the evolution of Sting really gave it focus. But you get those other supporting players like DDP come to prominence. And, mm. yeah, there's always an element that was hoping to see, like... Rick Flair and the Horsemen get a bit of revenge, especially when you had the Kurt Hennig section of of the of the rivalry, uh, and that was where the focus come in when when WCW wrestlers started to fight back, and you got yourself a war. Yeah, understandably early doors, you have like the third element, and it's going to be a bit rough around the edges. It just means you've got to take the rough with the smooth, I guess. And yeah, the, everything we've seen from that clash so far. A little bit rusty. I can't remember if I actually watched that clash in full back in the day, but I gotta say it's it's just not sitting with me in a way that's like, oh, I want to keep watching. It's this is a bunch of stuff that's happening. Yeah, I think you know it's no coincidence that the Clash of the Champions stopped a year later because with Nitro and with competitive matches rather than squashes on TV every week, the Clash of the Champions just became obsolete. Much like, you know, Saturday Night Main Event in the WWF. Yeah, I, I, I like the... I, I know, like, some some 
companies like Veerful, you think of AEW doesn't want to do monthly pay-per-views, for instance. Um, but I like the idea of having a bit, a, a big show once a month to build towards. And what Clash of the Champions was was when the company wasn't comfortable enough to to try and take a pay-per-view revenue from a crowd once a month. The Clash of the Champions offered that special show to build a narrative to uh, as a TV special, and then and then you'd put your real big guns on on those four pay-per-view offerings Ooh. crept up gradually. So I've always had a soft spot for that model. I like the idea of having a weekly TV show, maybe two weekly TV shows if you can balance it right, um, and then and then a monthly special of some sort. Yeah. So um, we we've had mentioned that in the second hour of the show we've got Sting and Lex Luger be Ric Flair and Arn Anderson which I think we can already picture how that's going to go. Um, but now we've got Disco Inferno and Big Scott Norton, which I think will be a bit of a clash of styles, should we say. Yeah, and this is a this is a completely different looking Scott Norton to what we've seen on the last year of Nitro, because we are coming up to the first, we're coming up to year two of Nitro. Thing. Sorry, did you just see that clothesline? He, I did. He, he absolutely leveled him with he, a clothesline. He must have heard one of Disco's latest hot takes that he does on his podcast. Yeah. One of his uh, one of his patented grasses purple opinions in in a desperate attempt to stay relevant. Yeah. So, so you're saying, yeah, yeah. We're in the, we're coming up to the, the well, we're coming up soon to the one year anniversary of Nitro. Yeah. Yes, we've been doing a year's worth of these so far. It's taken us. All, I know we've been doing this for a few years to get to one year, but we're chipping away. We do, and we don't mind going at a slow pace, Dean, as we've discussed off the air, because at some point, if we speed up, we're going to end up in the free hour Nitros before we know it, and suddenly our our energy yeah. for doing these is going to slow down. So we might as well enjoy the golden era two-hour ones. I really miss the one-hour ones, but we can do yes. these two hours, especially yeah. ad-free. So, um, yeah, Dis- Disco is basically... The story of this match is that Scott Norton isn't really selling any of Disco's offense, uh, and there's a, a sizable difference in, in weight. To Disco's credit... Uh, all of his best contributions to WCW, nay, to professional wrestling, always involved a visual of him getting the shit kicked out of him. My fa- my personal favourite being that e- evergreen gif on social media of him making his entrance on one episode and he gets lamped from behind by a Parker with a running chair shot. Yes. That That is a great gif. That is a great meme. Uh, we haven't had La Parker. We haven't. Well, the Luchadors haven't really, apart from Rey Mysterio and Psychosis, the Luchadors have not appeared on uh, on Nitro yet. Yeah, it's been a drip feed. We we are so interesting. We still are building to that sort of that golden. Sorry to use a phrase you like to use for something else, Dean, but that golden era of Nitros that everyone remembers with full focus within the NWO storyline with the cruiserweights with. With some great technical wrestlers bubbling under, it's um, we're still feeling our way towards that, and our and Ooh. our and our overall opinions after these two-hour nitros, even though we've got bash at the beach happening and we're clearly in a hot period, uh, it's still quite mixed on these two-hour nitros. So we've got better to come, absolutely. 
So, yeah, and I'm, I'm just thinking the main event we've got tonight of Flair and Anson v Sting and Luger, yeah, obviously those two teams have a long history and do not like each other. However, they are both WCW against the NWO. So they, they are united by a common enemy, which is part of this story. And, and this, course, as you said, this third, this third element. Yeah. And if we, if we go under the hood and we like, obviously this is like, this is a few decades old now. If we go, if we just say, look, we know where this is headed, looking towards where this develops for full brawl and war games, we can imagine how it's going to end. But we'll see how it pans out, obviously. Yeah, definitely. Ah. <laughs> Scott Norton has hit his finisher and he mugs for the camera before going for the pin. Or is he even going for the pin? Going for a submission? Fujiwara armbar, basically. There we go. Immediate submission. Um, that was uh, very one-sided and looked quite painful, shall we say. Fair enough if he wanted to add the submission. But if he went for the impact finish with a big shoulder breaker... I like the fact that he hit his finisher, went to bad mouth ice train to the camera, and then he would have gone for the pin. I can't. I mean, it still works with a submission finish, but that would have been so cool. Like, he knew it was wrapped up. Has a chin wag, gets the pin. Yeah, uh, yeah um, Scott Norton is very good at squashing people. That's why he works so well in Japan. Yeah. And yeah, D- Disco did his job here. Yeah, definitely. But um, what I find interesting about that big movie here, that sh- over-the-shoulder shoulder breaker, um, we're still, you can tell we're still in the 90s, Dean, because we're still in this era where the shoulder breaker is still perceived as something worth doing as a big move. Mm. And a way well, it's he... what Vader beat uh, Ron Simmons for the title with. Yeah, and if we look at um, the way Scott Norton did that move in particular... It was looking a lot more like he was going to do that thing. Do you know where you have him over your shoulder for the Argentine rack and then you drop? Mm. And it's a prop, like, like what Abyss would do. And uh, yeah. Colt Cabana does it with a double underhook and things like that. And it took a, another 10 years, I think, before people realised, no, that actually looks much better and much more painful. So Scott Norton could have done that, but instead he goes for the shoulder breaker. Okay, we've got a promo backstage here with Teddy Long and Ice Train. Um, and uh, they are complaining about, lo and behold, they're complaining about uh, Nick Patrick. And we're just seeing now where uh, at Clash of the Champions, where Ice Train was on compu- in the CompuServe room talking to fans on that newfangled internet. And uh, Scott Norton came from behind and attacked him. Ah, uh, that's another good part of the, this era of wrestling when, when they try and incorporate an internet element and it's like a desk with a couple of computers and these big muscle-bound wrestlers are like, yeah, I'm, I'm with the web, I'm with the net, I can surf. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> attack, Scott, attack Ice Train, but for fuck's sake, don't hit the computers. Which is a shame, because, you know, I, I remember when New Jack used to hit people and he said, oh, with a keyboard, and it's a great visual, because the keys fly everywhere. Explode, yeah. Although I think the size of the computer monitors back in those days would probably have killed someone if you hit them with them. So we have a... We have a um, promo for uh, Saturday night. Two hours Dave long Dave as well. Lex Luger, yeah. 
So still very much a marquee part of them. But I think it's fair to say that Nitro has taken top slot now. We had this a lot in the early Nitros. We loved the one-hour breezing by, but it was clear that Saturday night was still the place where most of the meat and potatoes of the storylines and things were happening. So here's that music again, and you were promised uh, Lord Stephen Regal earlier, the man you become William Regal, and here he is. Yes. Yeah, now he's uh, a free agent. I would love to talk to him. It's, do you know what? It's worth it's worth dropping a tweet and seeing if he responds. He probably won't. He's a busy man, but it would be amazing to talk to to William Regal, Lord Stephen Regal, about could, his time in WCW. Could we bribe him? <laughs> could we bribe him to look our way? He would be a fantastic guest to chew the, to uh, chew the fat with. You're absolutely right. Who do we know who sort of knows him? Who can who can I'm, get I'm us one, in? I, I'm I'm thinking maybe the Brooker man. I will let, let, let me see if I can put any wheels in motion. Who you knows? do who that, but knows? first, but first, Dean, why don't you sit back and enjoy Malenko versus Regal? Because that's what oh, we're getting. This is going to be this is going to be good. If there's an American wrestler who can do. European British style technical wrestling. It's Dean Malenko. I've got more confidence in this match than Benoit Eaton. Mm. Malenko looks a little more relaxed and well, obviously he he generally focuses on the in ring work. He's not really an in ring uh, subplot guy, is he? Where we saw Benoit was selling the the anger and wanting to bounce yeah. back from the giant thing and the woman's storyline. Benoit uh, Malenko is going to be focused on the wrestling. Regal, meanwhile, you know, we saw we we saw Eaton was off, a little distracted. Immediately, you see Regal walk down and he's joined with the fans. He's he's in the zone. He know he knows his gig. He knows how to do it. Beautiful uh, variation of an arm drag, literally holding onto the wrist and using Regal using his own foot into Malenko's shoulder to flip him over. It does make you think, as much as this will be a better wrestling match per se, uh, it does make you think how cool it would be if they just had Jim Duggan and William Regal wrestle every week ju- just to watch the two of them work the crowd for like 10, 15 minutes. And it wouldn't get boring. Well, we are going into a commercial break during this match. Good timing. But it's not the, it's not the dynamite going off yet. We're only a third of the way through this show. We've breathed for yes. a few segments. So it doesn't look like we've uh, missed any significant action. Though Regal is pouring with sweat now, so clearly they've been uh, they've been busy during the commercial break. Yeah, there are there are situations where wrestlers have actually just done precisely sod all during the advert break, haven't they? Oh, yeah. Just uh, like a headlock. Not even... I've said, like, I'll give you a good recent example, right, Dean? Um, did you... Do, do you watch much AEW at the minute? Yeah, a, a bit. Yeah, a fair. A reasonable uh, bit. I watch, I, I watch Dynamite Weekly and I watch it via fight. And with the because that you get in on American TV, you have the picture in picture and stuff like that they do and things like that. You do mm-hmm. get to see a few bits of action that don't really air or or, or or air in a different 
way in America. And yeah. there was a segment where, and understandably so, but just as proof that this still very much happens, um, you've got Hangman Page and Brian Danielson going to an hour draw. Winter is coming. And mm-hmm. lo and behold, um, Danielson spent the entire advert break just playing to the crowd while Hangman Page allegedly sells. <laughs> Fair enough. I think it was a famous one, actually, now I think about it, because um, someone filmed from the crowd, they filmed Brian Danielson, um, do, he's playing the crowd, and he's teasing maybe doing, like, the pointing for the yes, and he's teasing the crowd, he's going to do it, getting into it, and then he just, like, flips them the bird instead. <laughs> but yeah, they did absolutely zero wrestling during the advert break. They're like, you know what, picture in picture or not, we're having a breather. We're going yeah. an hour. <laughs> we don't care. Um, I say fair enough. <laughs> so uh, now we've got Regal in a a front head scissors with his legs, basically his legs wrapped around Milenko's neck as if as in a sleeper hold, and Milenko's made the Milenko makes the ropes, and just before. He breaks the hold. Regal just smacks the back of his calf into Milenko's face for good measure. <laughs> now, we have got Nick Patrick refereeing again. And once again, the commentary team have gone to the topic of Patrick, which I think is overtaking talk about Hulk Hogan on the show. And yeah. he's become the new Poochie. But more importantly, uh, Zabisco's really doubling down on defending him. I don't really remember him as being anything other than completely anti-NWO, but right now he's trying to cut some slack to a referee as a heel. Regal's now clamped in a full Nelson on uh, on Malenko. And interestingly, he's nudged Malenko's right knee down to the to the floor and Regal is now on one knee matching Malenko. So both men have got their right knees on the canvas and their left feet on the canvas. Yeah. This is, this is what they like to call leverage, isn't it? That's Regal dictating mm. the direction of it to Yeah. I mean you you could have a field day on commentary during the rest hole talking about how that's Regal's strong side but Malenko's weak side. Things like that. Just like in football, when a defender tries to play the attacker onto their weak foot, sort of thing. Yeah. Oh, German suplex from Malenko lands Regal right on his shoulders. And the crowd have come to life a bit there because it's Malenko on top. Bridging German suplex That's just a gets a lovely count. snap on that as well. Mm. Beautiful snap, and Regal was completely safe there. Didn't land awkwardly on that second one. It just yeah. looked amazing, that suplex. And um, and the Zabisco saying that a normal speed of count for Nick Patrick. And again. Yeah. They've, they've moved from a thinking man's chess match into just full-on suplexorama 5000, and I love it. Yeah, the match, the pace has quickened. You know, they're building up to the, you presume they're building up to the finish. And this is uh, Mahistral Cradle. Two count again. He's got the tights, I think. 
Yeah, he yep. did have the tights, but it wasn't enough. Oklahoma and Malenko roll. rolls. Yeah, Oklahoma rolls. And the Oklahoma uh, roll does crazy. it. Yeah. And the it, crowd. Yeah, all this about American fans don't like technical wrestling. The crowd are up on their feet applauding that match. Well, I was going to say something about it before the match ended. I've got to be honest. They, they popped when it finished. But you could the, the weird thing was is you could hear a fair amount of noise from the crowd during the match, and yet it wasn't directed towards what was happening in the ring. You could kind of hear chatter and yelps and things. It's a shame. like. But no, I, I mean, one one sign the finish gives you is that they didn't stay there welcome. But yeah, that, I think they deserved a lot. That was an enjoyable TV match, and it deserved a lot more than that. But then I suppose you can look at it through the opposite side of the spectrum and say, if that happens 10 years later in the impact zone, uh, the fans are chanting, this is awesome during the exchanging of the wrist locks. Yeah. Because Here of comes... who's in the ring. Yeah. Here comes Mean Gene with Flair and Anderson and, oh, it's the horse. It's all the horsemen. And Flair is robed and ready to go. Oh, I'm going and... for the classic horseman t-shirt and trunks. And woman has leaving herself in right next to Mean Gene, and she's stroking his shoulder and generally trying to distract him. <laughs> Did you just hear that? Arn Anson said, I never had to have a weapon in my back pocket to feel tough. And now, so he's, just, and now was, he's known uh, as Arn Glock Anderson. I, am, um, I, I was just distracted by... Uh, mean Gene removing, fe- feeling woman's hand on his shoulder, grabbing hold of it, looking down to see it's woman's hand and looking shocked as if it's never happened to him before. Oh, he's very professional. <clears throat> and Flair's <laughs> started on 11. So that was, oh, we've got to convey this. Mean Gene has, has turned round to Flair and gone. So, so Ric Flair, I suppose I better ask you a question. Mean Gene! And we have got the Flair promo leading us into the fireworks for our number two. Woman's back all over him. I'll tell you what, right? Pro- prove this statement wrong. Dean, I dare you to prove this wrong. Mean Gene Oakland never felt more alive than when he had Ric Flair screaming in his ear and woman caressing his chin. I, I can't argue with that. The, I yeah, can't it's, argue with it. No. It's, it's sky is blue level stuff. Grass is green level stuff. He's trying now, out, and Mean Gene is now trying his best not to laugh, basically. He's now, he's now admonished woman for stroking his chin while trying not to laugh. Arn Anderson's trying not to corpse. There was a little moment there. He was like, he was yeah. smirking. He's turned it into like a, a menacing snarl. But he, he was amused there. And I, I love Ric Flair trying to out-promo the halfway fireworks. <laughs> Absolutely trying. He was yeah. trying to drown out the fireworks and all the music and that. And I think he gave a good fight of it. See, that just lends credibility to our theory that 1996 Ric Flair was actually the best Ric Flair. Oh, God, yeah. You you can have your Steamboat trilogies and 92 Rumbles. Give me the banquet table, the shithousery, and and the coked-up promos. Yeah. Yeah. Here come the nasty boys. 
who are they going to be up against? Um, I would like to think we're past them fighting the public enemy every week. Yeah, me too. Which, which had a batting average for good matches worth the trouble of watching of about 0. 0.150. Oh, crap. Is it public? It's, it's, it's the public is enemy. public enemy again. Oh, I shouldn't have said anything. What's wrong with me? Oh, it's the public enemy again. Oh, I'm so sorry, Dean. I did this. They just can't help but fight each other. It... it in an alternate universe, on a better timeline, where Arbed from Community rolled a five instead of a six, uh, it's actually a decent tag team who come out, and I've jinxed it, and I've put us in the darkest timeline. Now, which way round was it? Because one of them interfered in the match, disguised as the other. Was it? Was it one? Was it Jerry Sags disguised as a member of Public Enemy, or was no, it? No, it was. It was, was it John Johnny Grunge, Grunge disguised, disguised as, as Nobs, wasn't it? Ah, there you go. Which was, admittedly, hilarious. And they've, they've done the old gimmick of immediately setting a table up at ringside. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if this is their original music or if this is a WWE Network dub. Um... I think it is, but it's one of them situations where the actual WCW theme for the Public Enemy wasn't much better. Yeah. In fact, I'd be curious as to know why they felt the need to change it. Because if I remember correctly, they're both shit and generic. Well, we've started off with a four-way or four-man brawl. We've got um, Rocco Rock and Jerry Sags in the ring, and we've got Johnny Grunge and... uh, Brian Nobbs outside the ring. Yeah, I do feel like we suffered through a bunch of these matches for like four months on Nitro. And I remember when we reviewed Bash at the Beach 96 a couple of years ago, it was um, what was supposed to be the feud ender in a dog collar match, I want to say. Mm, Thanks, yeah. But this was the era, you know, 1996. This is when ECW was becoming a very, yeah, you know, ECW is becoming very popular. Obviously, Public Enemy made their names there, and this is where you know WCW and WWF were poaching a few of their big stars. And WCW um, thought, oh, I know what we'll do, we'll counter with Brian fucking Nobbs. But this, this is where just wild brawling outside the ring was, was something reasonably new on mainstream TV. Well, three and a half whole years later, WCW had Brian Nobbs featured as their hardcore champion, still yeah. doing these lame sort of matches, even more lame, diminishing returns. A year yeah. after that, the company was out of business. Coincidence? You tell me. Well, we've we've had these discussions many times before. There were many, many, many factors as to why WCW died in 2001. No, there wasn't. It was Brian Nobbs. Everyone <laughs> knows this. You, you rest it solely on his shoulders. Yeah. Brian Nobbs, as a singles champion of any distinction, yeah, you dared. Company is gone. 20 years of a monopoly. So, um, 
still on the double cam. Yeah, we've got uh, Grunge is about to do a Cactus Jack style elbow off the apron to the floor, but Brian Nobbs got out of the way, so Grunge just went splat. What I feel like I have to say here, because I know I know you remember Dean, because I know this is one of your favourite WCW memories. Legitimately, was the Nasty Boys having a pair of blistering hardcore matches? Uh, I want to say two years before this with uh, oh, Sullivan, one with um, Sullivan Jack, and Cactus, and one with Max Payne and Cactus. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and one thing that springs to mind as to why they worked and these sort of things kind of just happen is because literally these two teams seem to be coming out every week having the same match, sometimes with a little bit of a um, some sort of distinction. One of them was a fool's count anywhere. One of them was a dog collar match. And um, whereas with that feud, they would have the feud, they'd have the angles, the attacks, the beatdowns and all that, and it would blow off at the pay-per-view with this really violent match. And they yeah, could with... do all their good spots because they weren't doing them every week either. Yeah, and they use weapons and stuff, which they probably wouldn't want on TV, but we could do on pay-per-view. Um, and also, it's in front of a hot crowd. And this crowd, although you know they're, they're chanting for a table and all that, as you said, they've seen this before. Yeah, there's been a and, lot in recent weeks of these Nitros, there's been a lot of tourist crowds. Crowds who are making noise or into it, but they don't really seem to be, there's not a clear connection between what's happening. Mm. Oh, and Public Enemy have put, accidentally put themselves through a table because uh, Jerry Sags got off the table before both members of Public Enemy came towards them. Nobbs with the elbow drop onto uh, Rocco Rock, and this match is over. Well, it finished on a good spot. And I'm also, I've got to admit, I'm a low-key fan of Jerry Sags, who does this a lot. Uh, getting in a cheeky little shot after the match. Very Ric Flair-esque. He, he picked up half the table and threw it at the head of... Uh, who, ah. Who's it in the ring? Who's it out of the ring? Whoever wasn't getting... Uh, Rocco the... Rock was in the ring. Grunge was out there. So Grunge got half a table to the head while Rock was getting pinned. So I'm a fan of that. Just getting the replay there. I mean, I suppose one thing you could say is it didn't go on too long, that match. Yeah, a, a match that's done to death, completely devoid of real value, with an enjoyable finish. And you'd like to think, hopefully, that's the end of the fucking feud, but yeah, probably not. Now, mean now have a pro, Mean Gene's earning his money tonight. He's a workhorse. He could be in the back with yeah. woman, but no, he's doing his job. Incidentally, I've just realised that this um, this uh, Nitro is taking place in Huntsville, Alabama. So the legit hometown of Bobby Eaton, except for he's now billed from somewhere else because he's um, because he's he's one of the Blue Bloods. Yeah, um, pretty generic. I mean, I'm guessing something else is happening. It may be an angle because it's a pretty. Uh... Oh, here we go. Your mate, Brian Hobbs, your mates with Hulk Hogan. <laughs> mean Gene has accused the Nasty Boys of being in league with the NWO. So, Jerry, uh, sorry, Brian Nobbs just 
just avoided that question better than Boris Johnson. And uh, well, he's got hair he's, like Boris Johnson, as uh, well. and he has. <laughs> Can you imagine? Um, and um, he's basically just called out Harlem Heat and the, and the uh, Steiner brothers. They want the tag titles. Which I think I'm right in saying, didn't they have their last tag title reign was was negative days? Yeah, I think there's a, I, f- I feel like there's a few more negative title reigns on the horizon. There were more I'm negative sure day Hulk title had... reigns than positive day title reigns when it comes to the WCW tag titles. So we now got uh, Bischoff and Bobby the Brain at the commentary desk. WCW is staying right where it is. Well, for four and a half years. Well, obviously, canonically, we're, we're meant to believe that Bischoff had already been turned. I mm. think that's how it turned out. When we get to that point in a few months, I think that's what they say, that uh, it was after the Great American Bash that he, that he bought in, so to speak. Yeah. So that's a now, weird rah-rah-rah. Yeah. So we've got Randy Savage and the Giant as our main event tonight. Although they said, I'm sure they said it was um, Flair and Anson against Sting and Luger. Is that happens well, as well? Yeah, if we get both matches, it'll be an interesting, because we ain't got long left. We've only got about another well, 35, no, looking, 40 minutes. Looking at the rundown of this, we don't have Flair and Anson the Sting and Luger. I don't know where that comes into things. Well, it was definitely mentioned, wasn't it? And yes. all four men, as they cut promos, were all in gear. Unless there's some angle to come. Who knows? Yeah. I suppose we just have to watch and find out. Mm. It's also worth noting that we are up against a live roar over on the other side. And this is the second hour is where they're head to head. So you'd expect it to be star-studded, wouldn't you? Yeah. And what's up next? DDP versus Chavo Guerrero Jr. Very <laughs> nice. Oh. So I believe that because you'll remember that we watched at Havoc 96, we watched Guerrero DDP. Yeah. And Guerrero's just beaten at the Clash. He beat DDP for the Battle Bowl ring. Shakes hands with Guerrero and then hits him with a diamond cutter. And of course. <laughs> Remember, it's out of nowhere. Out and of he's nowhere. a sore loser. Oh, Mark, Mark Curtis, the ref, takes a bump there. Well, at least it wasn't Nick Patrick. Yes. So, to be fair, this is the start of a pretty significant feud for DDP. Because you'll remember when we when we rewatched Havoc '96 a few years ago, it, uh, you could see the 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 increase in confidence, the stature. It had come a long way in in six yeah. to nine months. And he's now hit a third diamond cutter off the ropes, off the off the top rope. Charlie tried to stop it and just got shoved away before Paige continued it. He's continuing to be booked really, really strong here. And whenever I talk about someone getting a good push, I do like to say they're being made to look really, really strong. 
because that became a meme as soon as it came out of CM Punk's lips, didn't it? And it's, and it's true. Well, it's true, isn't it? If I mean, if you yeah. want someone to be perceived as a star, make them look really, really strong. Absolutely. Yes. Because it works. You, but also anyone with half a brain can tell who the company gives seven shits about and who they don't. Mm. So here is Chavo out to seek revenge for his. His, uh, I was going to say his cousin, his, his uncle, Eddie. Although to obviously defend the family honour. Yeah. Now, obviously, this is a far cry from the more experienced Chavo Guerrero, who, I want to say, four, four and a half years later, would become one of my low-key favourite wrestlers, although not low-key because obviously I talk about how awesome he was at the end of WCW all the time. But yeah, it was it was interesting to see a few years later, he, he'd very much have a lot of heel Eddie traits about him. Mm. But right now, he's still a bit of a rookie. Babyface fire. Oh, he nearly killed himself. <laughs> that was... He, that was he, enthusiasm. He just did the toe pay, but didn't go sideways. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is why wrestlers usually go sideways on the toe pay. <laughs> but he is really full of fire and just charging DDP back into the corner every time DDP tries to come forward. And Bobby Heenan with some great just old school wrestling insight and commentary saying, yeah, Paige should just let Chavo come to him and he'll make a mistake. And just to say that, he goes shoulder first into the post. Well, he hits, his, hits the top of his head on the post. Oh, wow. Is what he's selling there. And, and, you know, Paige is working the shoulder. <laughs> and the cliche is normally when someone does that spot, we're trained to believe it's a shoulder thing, isn't it? But yeah, you think yes. if they sold the head, it would be a lot more to believe that it's turned the tide of a match. Because I've got to be honest, if I missed something like that and I did catch my shoulder on the post, I, it would hurt. I'd be a little distracted. But I wouldn't be like on the receiving end for the next five minutes of the match. I hope. But yeah, but in the, in the story of a match, that's a good visual spot to turn the tide, which is why it's used I think too much but yeah it's used a lot yeah obviously Chavo was trying to make it look like a more significant thing either that or he was legitimately still selling his head from nearly killing himself yes I mean the the, the shoulder charge into the corners is what what Goldberg always used to, uh, to turn the tide of his matches yeah or there was that time infamously I think it was uh, Halloween Havoc 2000 where he um, he went into that spot with so much gusto, he actually knocked his head out cold on the post. Well, he did that against The Undertaker, didn't he? As well, in Saudi Arabia. Uh, yes. Was that, that was that a shoulder spot, or was that during the entrance? Yeah, that was, no, that was charging into the corner, and he hit his head on the post. So that was exactly the same thing. I, I feel like if I fact, because it was on a Botchamania and everything, and obviously we watch our WCW, I remember it quite well. I feel like it was again, and Chronic had to kind of just like give the impression that they were mugging him in the corner with stomps. 
Oh. And just they kept trying to pick him up, and they had to it was like three, four attempts to pick him up that Goldberg was actually cooperating, <laughs> that he'd actually returned to planet Earth and he was ready to carry on with the job. Yeah. So yeah, well, it's I, not the first a one. little spot that I really liked there was Guerrero um, did a quick a quick roll up attempt on um, Page, only got a two count, but as he as he rolled back up onto his feet from that attempt at a pin. He's holding that bad shoulder again. And it just happened again. And this time, mm. Page was straight on it with a stomp. Yeah. Oh. That was a really nice spot. Yeah. But it looked like he deadlifted him over. But because he rolled Chavo on his back for it, obviously his arm was under no pressure there. Oh, that was a great set powerbomb. Really got good elevation on it. But yeah, the move before that, it was like Chavo is behind DDP and he's got Chavo's arm over his his own shoulder, over DDP's shoulder. Normally you expect it just to be yanked down hard, but actually he, he threw him over his shoulder onto the floor. And now DDP twice has picked up Chavo from a pinfall attempt. Yeah. And from that second and, one, did you see the move he used to put him down for that second pull-up two-count? And I've seen some great wrestling moves where they add a hammerlock, right? And he's done. And, oh, they got him. He got him. <laughs> Bischoff saying he stuck him. And Page has lost twice to the Groves now. And there's a diamond car. He hit, he hit a, do you know, a classic Magnum TA style belly-to-belly, side-to-side. And he's added the hammerlock. And it looks so good. That match was really enjoyable. And he's taken somehow, he's he's managed to take Nick Patrick's belt off. I've got to say, I've not seen someone remove another man's belt as quickly as that in my, all my life. Not that I've watched people removing other men's belts often. But, um, and then, now they say that why Nick Patrick's kind of allowed him to do that. I've got to say, that's a really weird way to try and further this Nick Patrick storyline. He basically yeah. had his belt stolen by a wrestler. And they're like, why didn't you stop him? Yeah, Nick, why didn't you stop the 200-pound man with your belt? While you're trying to hold your trousers up. Yeah. it's And he Heenan is defending him as well. I mean, I'm starting to think that some of this narrative from Zabisco and Heenan is actually spot on. Because they're defending what what he's doing in... These are not NWO matches. And obviously, we know where this storyline goes, where he joins the NWO. But he's not um, exactly defending these WCW heels, is he? No. Me, and now Mean Gene is talking to uh, Nick Patrick. So he's saying, if he was a lone police officer... Would you wait for backup or charging on your on your own? Because Randy Anderson came in to, to rescue things. And he's basically asking why why Randy Anderson was able to act and he wasn't. And he, and Patrick's just saying, Oh, we make a great team. And now 
Mean Gene asking him about the accusations, and he's he's blaming the media. He's accusing Mean Gene of uh, of stirring things up. Nick Patrick has invented fake news twenty five years before Donald twenty years before Donald Trump did. No, I think Mean Gene has invented it because I think Nick Patrick is right. These are some really weird instances they're using to to build up a pattern. Mm. Obviously, we had that one from a previous Nitro where he clearly favoured the NWO. <laughs> and Nick, and he just said about them. He just said that Nick Patrick's just bought himself a five hundred and fifty thousand dollar home. Investigative <laughs> journalism, I love it. And he's implying that Nick Patrick's taken backhanders to buy his house. Well, at least he's Brilliant. not taking backhanders from women. <laughs> This, this is true. Oh, there's a, there's some good old fashioned goss to be had with WCW day to day programming. So yeah, while we laughed about the fact that up against the live raw with all this talk of big superstars, they ran DDP versus Chavo. I got to say, as a wrestling fan, Dean, I enjoyed that. that there was, was some good. great oh, moves. Chavo nearly killed himself, but other than that, he was selling great. He was working great as a your typical fired up babyface, and DDP busting out the move set. Oh, I remember this match. This was on a. This was like the third Nitro. Do you remember doing this? Yeah, one? September eighteenth, nineteen ninety-five. We're getting a a flashback to when the American males beat Harlem Heat to become the WWE Tag Team Champions. For about a week. Oh, Liam, are you hearing the entrance music I'm hearing? No, I'm deliberately muting it for my own benefit. I mean, come on, can you blame me? American males, males. It's friend of the show, Francis Reyes, his favourite entrance music. What is wrong with him? Bales. How we, we haven't got enough time to go into that. But <laughs> uh, here come the American males looking very cheesy. Almost almost like a parody of a, an 80s baby face tag team. Well, don't worry. Oh, they're doing the clap. Remember, that became lampshade a little bit in ECW, do you remember? Yep. So, uh, uh, they were teasing in the promo, I'm guessing, that the title change could happen again. Which, by the way, means it won't. It won't, yeah. Will lightning strike twice? Here comes Harlem Heat. With Sister Sherry and Colonel Parker. Yeah, still got that two-manager team. That somehow lasted all this time. But, you know, it's good that Sherry and Elizabeth can uh, can share the female manageress dressing room after what happened at WrestleMania 7. It and seems like they're also sharing the same managerial she- dress. Because she's wearing yes. a bin bag as well. She's also in a bin, bin bag trouser suit. So, uh, 
corner, and they've just said no sign of the outsiders. Oh, they ju- they just said Beetlejuice three times, didn't they? Oh, now we're talking about a fourth or fifth guy, because obviously if we're going into the war games with the NWO team, they need a fourth person. Don't they? Yeah, with the benefit of hindsight, we know who that fourth man will be, but it hasn't been revealed yet. Off to a, a fast start with everyone in the ring. Yeah. Meanwhile, meanwhile, Eric Bischoff's doing his absolute best to jink WCW against the NWO, but then obviously he's on the take at this point. With I don't think there's a uh, I don't think there's a fourth man or fifth man. Yeah. Stevie Ray with a big boot to the face of uh, Scotty Riggs. So, crowd don't seem massively into this to start with, but maybe they'll pick up a bit. Uh, well, as you know, um, the American males were dated when they won the tag titles the first time almost a year ago, and right now they're even more dated. So, don't And I don't that. think anyone in this arena believes that they've got a hope of winning the belt. Either. They might even be actively hoping that they don't. But if they win them, they get to hear that music again. Why don't you just fire up YouTube for your sick fetish? This was this was before YouTube. American males. American, American males. Bagwell filming. Oh, there's a spin. There's a spinneroon. You want the early spinneroon? Oh, wow. Very early spinneroon. I, I can't believe the last episode we were able to produce a good two months ago, Dean, one of our esteemed guests on that Christmas special, which was uh, Justin Richards, had the audacity to say that there were no great WCW themes. Yeah, I disagree. What yeah. what a bastard for saying that. <laughs> what, he, he just clearly has no memory whatsoever of, of the American Mouse, of Harlem Heat. We On this show alone, we've had, you know, Lord Stephen Regal's theme. I've always been a fan of Eddie Guerrero's little banger that obviously Chavo used in this instance because yeah. he, he, he's not taken off his training wheels yet and he doesn't get a yeah. theme of his own. Arn Anderson, great theme tune. But yes. um, also worth noting there that we had um, Nick Patrick distracted by um, Bagwell trying to get in. Now he's being distracted by Sister Sherry. And while all that was happening, Harlem Heat were laying the boots into Scotty Riggs in the corner. Oh, yeah. And Booker came off the top and Scotty Riggs intercepts him mid-air with a drop kick. They're, they're really going thick on this whole Nick Patrick is on the take from the hills line. And we know yeah. he'd end up being with the NWO, who, as we said, are a third element. And, of course, saying that he's on the take from the hills is like saying that there is a there is one singular narrative being peddled by the mainstream media, like all of the mainstream media show up to the same meeting and conspire together. Oh, Booker went for a pump handle slam. Bagwell turned it over after Bagwell coming with a big hot tag. 
But now Stevie Ray, the illegal man, has been knocked into uh, Booker. And Nick Patrick made the count on the illegal man, I think. Unless I've lost track of this one. And that would have been a babyface title win. So who's he favouring yeah. there? But I love how Stevie, Stevie Ray was not giving that pump handle spot any sort of suspense whatsoever. Like, it felt like they could have got a big reaction out of a near two count there. And uh, he just straight away breaks it up. Oh, and Bagwell came off the top to oh, that was do something on Stevie Ray. Booker T shoved him off balance. He fell off the top into a Stevie Ray power slam. I, I did enjoy that spot. That was decent. One of the most fluid things Stevie Ray's ever done in the wrestling ring, I think. <laughs> and Harlem Heat retain. Do you, do you remember those wrestling matches years ago, Dean, where like a like a, a good-looking but not necessarily like an ultimate finishing move could finish a match and the, and the guy being pinned would kind of half-heartedly kick out after three like he he was he was beaten but it was marginal and yeah now now it's just unless uh, unless you've been hit uh by a finisher three times you are going to kick out a 2.9 uh we sound like two old men moaning on our rocking chairs out on the porch by the picket fence well, I don't, I, I don't buy into this rhetoric about, oh, there's too many kickouts or whatever. But like I say with everything, it's not the what, it's the how. I, I like seeing these things where a wrestler kicks out too late and he's pinned. Or yeah. where a good move that is not an established finisher can finish a match. Right. Here's Flair and Anderson. See, you were, you were worried about nothing. I do need to point out, though, it has been a good 35 or so minutes since Woman has cheated in a match. So yes. she's going to be built up all over again. She's going to need to to get some of this going here. See, this this is the music I was talking about, what I call yes. Arn Anderson's music. It was a Arn slash Horseman theme around this time, yes. wasn't it? I don't think we really got the what would be the final Horseman theme until they reunited in 98. Mm. Which was another good one. Bit bit hackneyed with the horses' noises at the start, but I think I'm with you. This, this mid-90s Arn slash Horseman one's probably the best version. Yeah. So here comes Sting and Luger out together to Sting's music. Luger... A, uh, a sincere baby face these days. So. I've only got about 15 minutes left. Did you say that Savage was wrestling tonight as well? Savage and Giant. Oh, did they, they hype that for tonight though? Sting wants... Sting wants the rest of the horsemen, so Benoit and McMichael, he wants them to come to the ring. They, they, I suppose they want their obstacles right in front of them. 
They don't they don't want to be uh, surprised by someone running down. They want to be able to have an eye on them, I suppose, is the, is the rationale I can offer. Right, we've got a commercial break coming up. And Bischoff saying this is nuts. I mean, it's not that weird. Oh, we're having a promo before the match now as well. Mean Gene's jacket has come off. I don't know where that's gone. Well, he's trying to pack some things away so he could just watch the remainder of the show. Oh, he doesn't want them out of ringside. He, he wants to speak to them all. So he said, we can come out here and beat each other up. Or recognise that there's a major problem here in WCW. Mm. <laughs> we can't trust you as far as we can throw you. We'll never be able to trust you. Well, that's that's fair enough. Let's face it, Sting's been on the receiving end of a Ric Flair betrayal more than once. He's, he's playing the uh, you, you do this for WCW, you are WCW. And, and we've got war games coming up, by the way, just so. I know where this is heading, yeah. Here we go, 30 days war games. And the horseman created war games. Well, Dusty did, but hey, let's not ruin the narrative here. With all due respect to Benoit McMichael, there's only four people who have War Games experience. He's actually offering Sting and Luger. He he wants to team up with Flair and Anderson against the NWO, presumably. Against well, we know it will be the NWO. Yeah, he wants to team up with people who he's just said he can't trust. (laughs) And Anderson, I don't like you. He's saying Luger's got a great you can't Luger's body. You can't bring these jiggling yes, pecs and show bodies. He knows what War Games, Games is about. Um, he's up. been in it and he's been in the Horseman. <laughs> he knows that spot where he gets his head trapped between the gap between the two rings. <laughs> Fuck me, they're dragging this out, aren't they? Luger, Luger's actually the one who's acknowledged the history and the fact that he was in the Horseman, at least. They're relying on Lex Luger to keep the story coherent. Flair, they've, they've got cut to Flair a couple of times, and Flair does not look impressed. He does look like he's in deep thought, doesn't he? Yes. And wants to speak to Sting again. We haven't heard from Flair yet. Hmm. 
So Arn's saying about not worrying about the, the kids, the little stingers. I suppose it should be pointed out, Dean, that actually, technically, this entire proposed squad that Sting and Luger are proposing, they've all been in the Horseman. Sting has been a Horseman as well. Mm, yeah. Not for very long, but they have, yeah. Arn wants Sting to forget about the little stingers for this match. And doing the right thing and just being a bastard, which is what you need to do in war games. Yeah. And also the irony of the talk of trust coming up with Sting and Flair and where this match ultimately goes. And it's it's Sting who is distrusted. WCW's not I, been a cakewalk for them. Yeah. I have lived the life of WCW. Well, his Sting is the only one of these four that's not jumped to the WWF at any point as well. He has been in WCW that whole time. Here comes Finally Flair. Flair now. So Flair just recapping things. Yeah. So he's basically saying he's down to Mongol Benoit, and Benoit. Yeah, if Benoit and, and Michael agree to step aside, because otherwise it would be Horsemen the Outsiders. We're Horsemen first. Benoit doesn't seem to be. Uh, keen to step aside. Oh, no, he says he'll stand behind their decision, even though he's waited for this for ages. And now, but Michael's banging on about the NFL. Oh, he knows what it's, knows what it's like to sacrifice. So he's willing to sacrifice his opportunity in the war games, which I think is fair to say the rest of the crowd here are thinking, thank fuck for that. <laughs> Mongo with a fret there. <laughs> and the man can talk, but knowing what he does in the ring, it's like, yeah, being Sting and Luca getting threatened by Mongo is hard to take seriously. Oh, so and we've it's got clinched, a deal, yeah. and everyone's leaving the ring, and we've got no match. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would be kind of counterproductive hey, to agree to team up and then have the match anyway. You you might yeah. as well just uh, call it a, an NC, a no contest. Yeah, and so there's... the NWO versus WCW's best. And the, yeah, there's well, your answer. That savage. Yeah, there's your answer, Dean, as to why uh, you couldn't find an actual match listing. Indeed. We now have an NWO promo. So we know that about the team of four for WCW. Now, bear in mind that we are still very much free strong for the NWO. So Yes. But um, I, 
I've just had a look at what the uh, the lineup for Four Nine Six was. It wasn't it wasn't how I'd remembered it. So um, yeah, it was a very. I, it wasn't your classic war games match with those, but I didn't mind it. It was a very interesting match, and obviously it turned out to be a very pivotal storyline moment that led to probably Ooh. the greatest character in WCW history. So. Yeah, it, dep- it depends what your flavours is. If you if you want a five star blood laden physical war games classic, or it's shit, then it might not be your thing. But but I thought you know there there are a lot of shit war games matches, and this wasn't one of yeah. them for me. No, in my in my head, um, the next man, the next person to join the hall, the the NWO was uh, Sean Waltman, and then I just remembered that he was called Six, and that was because he was the sixth member. So yeah, we well, need another well, two well members. Well done, Dean. Yeah, well done, me. Well done. That's, che- um... Cheers, Dean. Nice one. Son's crying. <laughs> but yeah, so this this uh, War Games was where we had um, NWO Sting, wasn't it? Yeah, just looking at that. And I'm glad we're going off topic here, because as cool as some of these NWO promos I remember to be, this this is a load of rambling self-indulgent bollocks oh yeah it's hall and ash filming themselves talking crap and there's this whole thing where the cool aspect can work but um i feel like this has the same value at 10 seconds long that it is now into the third minute of it yeah but uh, we haven't done Fall Ball 96, actually. That's a pay-per-view that we could cover. Yes. And there's Neil Pruitt. Mm. And here's the main event you were waiting for. So here comes the giant. So, as I have it right, oh, and oh, there's, there's Savage um, with a chair to the Savage. side. Yes, Savage has just run down the aisle and is just mercilessly twatting the giant with a chair over the head and around the back several times. And Randy Anderson has now taken the chair away. So, as, as I have it right, this is an argument over who gets next at Hollywood Hogan. Giant wants his rematch. Savage was the man who's betrayed at Bash of the Beach by Hogan, and obviously he's a top rival for the title and for Hogan. And they both want a piece of him, and obviously they are technically a babyface in the hill right now. So they're fighting each other to fight the NWO, which is exactly how the NWO wants it at this stage. Yeah. And I love that spot. The giant on the floor, on the outside, press slammed Savage over the top rope into the ring. Where, where and do you the referee rank... is waving this match off, I think. Well, yeah, it didn't look good, did it? Um, where do you rank that press slam spot on the Sid Vicious Lee Scott scale? Well, that was well, the best one I ever saw. Yeah, clearly nothing would ever beat Sid Vicious and Lee Scott as the greatest squash match in human history. Five-star um, match. That... I fight anyone yeah. who says otherwise. Because <laughs> no, that, that was pretty good. Because squash matches should be measured as a squash match, right? And if a squash match is done perfectly and absolutely enhances the guy winning, 
and it couldn't be done any better and nothing about it could be criticised, it's a five-star match. Yeah. doesn't have to be only world title main events that run 15 minutes or longer. Savage has got a, a chair again. Dungeon of Doom or Bill, um, Hugh Morris and uh, Big Bubba have come out and they're getting smacked with the chair. Savage is still attacking Giant Owl. Hit him around the back of the head with the chair. That's not good. I suspect this is one of the last times we're going to see the dungeon come out to help the giant. Yeah. And <laughs> he even hit Meng. And, and Jimmy Hart got attacked. And the giant just vaulted over the top rope and is running yeah. after Savage. And, he's going to crush it. And he then just says, Savage, run for your life. But what do they expect then? Randy Savage is crazy. He's out of control, Liam. Well, yeah, this this match has been thrown out. The match never got started. So our our last two advertised matches on this week's Nitro didn't happen. But there was a lot of star power and a lot of unpredictability. Bischoff's got sunk in his back pocket. So we're now back with uh, Bischoff and Heenan. We're just wrapping the show up. We've got, literally got a minute left to go. And, and well, Heenan's just, uh, Heenan's just recapping what happened and the fact that after being hit with a chair seven or eight times and getting a low blow, the giant still managed to leap over the top rope and run up the aisle to chase after Savage. So clearly the giant has a, a head made of steel and cast iron bonds. <laughs> Yeah, I do like these debriefs at the end of the Nitros at the moment. I don't. I prefer I prefer things that's finish finishing the ring. Yeah, it took it, it took wrestling as a whole a year or so to really realise that, and then it, it was a trope that stuck, wasn't it? Yeah. It's, uh, Bischoff's now saying the match is on. It's, he's hyping war games. And we've got the month to hype. We, we've got the month. We've got at least, what, three? We've got three more Nitros to hype it up. So, um, yeah, it looks like we're going to get a nice build to, um, we're going to get a nice build up to uh, Fall War 96. This is Lance Storm. And if I can be serious for a minute, you're listening to Because WCW. I, I would give that a, even even despite that, I'd give it a, a mild thumbs up. Would there, you? there was nothing bad about that show. Yeah, I do struggle as a whole with the two-hour ones, and that might be partly us these days because we're struggling to, to find the energy for these things. And if it was still an hour show, it would make it a lot easier. But Definitely. no, I can't yeah. I can't fault that show. There's nothing terrible. Yeah. Uh, even things like uh, the Nasty Boys and Public Enemy Part Four Thousand. Managed to, have, <laughs> managed to have a decent enough finish to wash away the monotony of the rest of it. Um, I do, one thing I did just realise is when, when you watch that exact angle where it's Sting of all people who proposes that those four team up against the NWO, it actually puts a little extra level of injun- of genius to... Because uh, I've been mispronouncing my words all night, so I'll just say another <laughs> level of genius and not sound like a complete rager. Um to 
the fact that the NWO had the thing where they made their fourth member a fake Sting and tried to convince people mm. that Sting had defected because, you know, he's convincing Flair to team against the NWO mm. and then suddenly he's a, but is this his revenge for Halloween Havoc 95? Is this his revenge for Lex Luger being a pain in his ass? There's actually mm. a, you, you know, you wouldn't doubt for a second that Sting is WCW, but you absolutely could believe that he would want to do that to Luger, to Flair, and to Anson for all they've done to him for the last 12 months. Yeah, yeah. No, so you could it's, go it's, deep and really... It's really, yeah, it's really good. It's really good long-term booking, basically. Um, just looking at, um, at uh, Raw, because I said Raw was, was live this week. Um, so um, what's interesting as well, actually, is that we had a number of dark matches on before, which um, included uh, Rick Titan who was, of course, um, Rick Bogner, who became fake Diesel. No, fake Razor Ramon, beg your pardon. Um, we had, um, we had uh, uh, a young man wrestling a dark match called Flex Kavanagh. Don't know what ever happened to him. No, I feel with a name like that, nothing at all. We ain't doing shit, let's be honest. Nah. Um, the Stalker, who was... Um, that would have been... Um, Barry Windham, wouldn't it? It would have been in a really weird attempt to give someone a, uh, you know, I mean that, that that really does qualify for it was a different time, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, look, the, he's the stalker. He's a baby face who stalks people. Yeah, he uh, he beat Justin Bradshaw, who of course became JBL. Um, but the 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 TV matches we had, um, there's a, a a tournament going on for the Intercontinental Title at this point in time. Can't remember exactly why exactly. Was Sean Mark? Uh, uh, no, John, Shawn Michaels was the world champion. Ahmed Johnson got injured. He got attacked ah. by Farouk. WCW fans will remember Ron Simmons. And the tournament for a new champion was won by another well-known WCW alumnus, uh, Mark Mero, Johnny Bigard. Uh-huh. Well, um, yeah, we had Owen Hart and Davy Boy Smith um, in the quarterfinals of that tournament. We had Vader against uh, Freddie Joe Floyd, who was, of course, the, the much-missed uh, Tracy Smothers. How did he not go and win the whole thing, Freddie Joe? Uh, well, he got knocked out in the first round. They left money um, on the table, WWE. Oh, no, sorry. He, that was just a regular match. That wasn't a, a title match. He should have been an um, Intercontinental Champion. Freddie Joe Floyd, with a name like that. Well, he was named after the Briscoes, wasn't he? Um, you could always, you could always tell with WWE, regardless of generation, which uh, wrestlers they really cared about by how much effort they put into their name. Yes, um, Goldust uh, won a four-man battle royal, who um, to earn a um, to earn a, a future title match, world title match, Four and Sean battle royal. Yes, I'm. Uh, yeah, I'm a bit confused by that well, I remember and, final four that was amazing but yeah no yeah, this was um gold dust sid steve austin and savio vega um and then Shawn michaels beat yokozuna in a non-title match however next week on nitro what is interesting is i don't know exactly why but Nitro is unopposed. There is no Raw next week, so they uh, they come to they come live from the tremendously named Manatee Civic Center in Palmetto, Florida. 
um, with a, a pretty packed card, which includes the um, the WCW debut of Chris Jericho. It might be the very, very start of the US Open tennis. I mean, like, you know, it's, it is very late August, so it's possible. Mm. Oh, maybe that was it, yeah. But um, yeah, that's uh, that's what's going on. So um, yeah, we'll 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 have a, it'll be interesting to see um, if they do anything a little bit differently or fire up the star power for that one. Yeah, Dean, it, it did start Monday, August twenty sixth, and ran through September eighth, nineteen ninety six. So yeah, it's easy to forget, but because obviously I've like, I've spent a few years having to devote a lot more time to tennis than I would choose to unless paid to do so when I was working for Eurosport. You do remember, it's, it's one of the things where it does technically start in August most years. Uh-huh. There you go. Right. Well, that brings us to the end of this uh, episode of Because WCW. Thank you ever so much, everyone, for listening. Thank you, moreover, for your patience. We apologise for the long delay that we've had due to... We apologise for nothing. You'll be lucky to get another one in three months. <laughs> I was going to say we'll we'll try and be back a lot quicker than that. Uh, no, I'm sure we were. I know, like we said earlier, we know it's been getting a little more infrequent before this big uh, hibernation, as I called it. But yeah, I would like we're we're going to aim for every two to three weeks again. We'll do our best. Yes, and uh, in the meantime, of course, there are 106 other episodes uh, that you can download wherever you get your podcasts from, um, and. We will continue later with either another one of these Nitro watch-longs or, who knows, maybe we'll be able to rattle off uh, uh, someone from our guest list and, uh, and get them on here as well. Yeah, so we'll get our begging bow out. Yeah. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at BecauseWCW, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash BecauseWCW as well. Uh, thank you ever so much for listening to this. Please do rate and review us. Please subscribe to us and you'll get your, our latest episodes straight to your device. In the meantime, on behalf of Liam, this is me, the Twisted Genius, saying thanks for listening and I'll see you ringside.